I'm Nick Rouch. He is Adam Luckett, and this is 11 Personnel live on the KSR YouTube channel. We'll be hanging out with you Thursdays for a little lunch. Hopefully, you, you got a nice lunch break. It's a beautiful day outside, Luckett. Maybe you're, you're eating outside uh, with a little fine dining. Uh, maybe you're at KS Bar and Grill, or maybe you're getting your teeth cleaned at Justice Dental. Um, whatever you are, whatever you're doing, we're happy you're hanging out with us, talking a little football this afternoon. And uh, luck it. Yesterday we talked to Chris Rodriguez. Next week we got the coaching carousel coming up, and we're just a few short weeks away from the NFL Combine. But wanted to start with, uh, before we get in the world of UK, hilarious contract that came out this week. Uh, from our friends uh, at Iowa. Yeah, uh, we talk. <laughs> we talk about Brian Ferentz a lot on this podcast for not even covering the Big Ten. Really, talked about. We hardly ever talk about the Big Ten, but Brian Ferentz keeps coming up. Uh, it helps that Kentucky seemingly plays them every season now. But yeah, so he's he's coming back to Iowa, and the big thing was like, you know, they thought. There would be a change there. You know, they got Cade McNamara in the portal, Michigan transfer at quarterback. Kirk ends up bringing him back. Uh, but due to, due to nepotism rules, like he has to report to the athletic director. He cannot report to his dad at the University of Iowa. So they have come up. He First he got Doc pay, I think, a couple hundred thousand dollars. I think he got Doc like from 850 or 900 down to like 600. And then he has to, he has to score what, 24, 25 points a game, and they have to win eight ball games. Game. They have to win seven, seven and five or eight and four. I can't remember what they have to go record wise. But he doesn't. Defensive points count here. Defense and special teams <laughs> countdown. Um, and I saw Jim Weber tweeted this out earlier today. Nick, someone has already made a website that says like Brian Ferentz race to, I think it's three hundred and twenty something points he needs at the threshold. And so they're going to count it down as the season goes on. And so, yeah, I mean, it just it, uh, I, I've never seen anything like this. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty well, crazy. It it can only happen in a situation where you have the dad being the head coach, and then you have the athletic director who Gary Barda is just he's in cruise control, man. Like that dude is the ultimate status quo machine. He wants to change nothing. Um, if it were his way, we, the forward pass would still not be invented. Like he is as old school. As yeah, he's gets. got very old school university administration vibes. Yeah, so Gary Barta. I love that he's like, all right, well, here's how we will appease the fans. We're gonna set like it's. He's basically washing his hands of having to actually do his job. I just like, all right, here's your benchmark goals, and if you don't meet them, see ya. Which yeah, it's very. They're being very transparent here. <laughs> like these are the check marks you have to hit, and if you don't hit it, you will be fired. But we'll see if that even happens. Even if he doesn't hit the checkpoints, they could definitely bend those rules for the Ferences a little bit. It's just a crazy, it's a crazy situation up there, right? Because Ferentz, Kirk Ferentz, has been there a quarter of a century now, Nick, mm-hmm. as a head coach. He's won a lot of football games, got a couple Big Ten titles. Iowa is. They're in the top 25 every year. Uh, their defense is awesome. They've got a cool stadium, cool atmosphere. They're, they are the, like Iowa football is the show. They're in Iowa. Uh, get I get the sense that Iowa's 
like their fan base is a lot bigger than Iowa State, so it's kind of like the program in that state. But they just, they just—he's got his son in here, and it's the results are not have not been good. And so it's just yeah. managing that whole situation. It's wild. Yeah, it's wild, and it's going to be once again they've made themselves a punchline here. Like they were a punchline last year because everybody knew they were bad, and they were going to be bad going into the year. Now they're a punchline because it's going to be like, oh, did Brian Ferentz hit the? Did he hit the checkpoint this week? Oh, How far God. is he behind? What? How many points per game does Iowa need to keep Brian Ferentz moving forward? It's, I mean, every broadcast is gonna have. They, you have to like throw that in there. Well, look, let's check in on the on the, um, the point number. Let's check in on the scale here. See what percent of the way there they are. Oh man, and I, it's a real shame that the Big Ten's going away from ESPN and purely Fox because how great would those Monday night football graphics look that they did? <laughs> yeah. Like, were the animation departments really go over the top? Like I, I would love that. This is the ultimate, um, just what a sport, especially with the addendum that defensive and special teams touchdowns points count, because if I'm not mistaken, they had something like seven scores last year. From they had two against the- Kentucky. Yeah, and I, I think I think Cooper DeGene, who had a, one of the pick sixes against Kentucky, I believe he had three pick sixes last year, and I think he had more more touchdowns than any Iowa receiver. Three touchdowns, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, yeah, it's crazy. Um, but you know, it, maybe like Brian Ferentz isn't as bad after all. It could have just been a Spencer Petras problem. So, you know, um, Cade McNamara has proven he can win at a high level. If he has good defense and a good running game, and really, yeah, let's kind of- let's pull up this Iowa schedule right quick. Let's see what they got. See what they're working with. Yeah, uh, because it's one that twenty twenty four is when UCLA and USC are making the move, so that's not in the cards yet. Non conference is Utah. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, imagining like a DTR Chip Kelly offense against Iowa. You want to talk? Yeah, cultures colliding. <laughs> no, no FCS game here. Three non-conference first three weeks of the season: Utah State at home, at Iowa State, Western Michigan. We're gonna have a pretty good sense of if he's gonna hit this check mark after those three weeks, because you like they're gonna yeah. have reasons to put the foot on the gas against Utah State and Western Michigan. And oh, then we have to remind ourselves. To bet the farm on Iowa covering early in these games, right? Yeah, they got to run up the score. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> point. Yeah, especially against Utah State and Western Michigan. And then out of the East, they draw at Penn State. That's Week Four. They draw Michigan State at home, but they don't draw Ohio State. Those were the only two East teams, I believe. And Rutgers, they draw Rutgers. Um, so okay. and they also they played Northwestern in Wrigley Field, which would be that would be a fun little game to go to. What what a fan? I mean, <laughs> well, <laughs> you know what I, I mean. mean. If you're going to make Northwestern <laughs> Iowa appealing, you got to play in a baseball stadium. You know what I mean. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, what we'll see. Yeah, we know how the Big Ten they play a certain style of ball, right? Yeah. It's first one to seventeen, a lot of times wins these games. 240 bucks for that Wrigley ticket. It, it is going to make us like kind of how we, we picked a couple Mac teams a year ago to follow along. Like, Iowa is going, people are going to be paying closer attention to Iowa because of this. And we're starting a show off in February discussing them. So um, they're at least moving the needle a little bit. Um, 
but nevertheless, still hilarious. A gift that keeps on giving with Iowa football. We did have one, uh, I don't want to call it a big news story, because, but it, it, it was good content for this time of year. Uh, Bill Connolly curates SP Plus rankings. We talk about SP Plus a lot here. He's kind of like the Ken Palm because it's adjusted, adjusted efficiency ratings. And he a big piece of the equation is returning production because, I mean, that's how a lot of, for years and years, you look at Phil Steele, you look at returning starters, right? That's how you would always gauge it. Well, this is just a, a, a for lack of a better, it's just a better way to look at it because sometimes those returning starters stink. You don't know what positions they're at. So it weighs production, um, like physical yards gained, passing yards, touchdowns, et cetera, uh, bakes it into a formula uh, to figure out who actually has most of their team coming back for the next year. And I was a little surprised when I saw that Kentucky was 73 overall, particularly 86 ranked on defense. Um, just because when I think about the pieces returning next year, look at I, I really just think about the corners being absent because D Jack and Trevin Wallace have played so much football in the middle of that defense. So I that that surprised me a little bit. Um, but when you look further into the numbers, it does make sense. Um, and I, I'll let you talk about it in a second. But the other big surprising thing was is Kentucky ranked seventy three overall. That's the third best in the SEC, or at least the third best SEC team on UK schedule. Uh, Vandy is near the top 50. Missouri's ninth overall. The rest are very far down uh, the pecking order, which means Kentucky's going to be playing a lot of teams that there's going to be a lot of projecting and, and kind of a lot of guesswork where the the the, the, the preseason records, right? Like you can, there's going to be a lot of wild variants when trying to figure out what Kentucky's win-loss totals are going to be. Well, yeah, the draft really ties into this. Like, right, why is there not much returning production? Because players are going into the draft for some of these schools. Like uh, Alabama for, was 125th, you know. Like. You should expect to see Georgia, Alabama, schools that recruit at that level. You should expect to see them towards the bottom year in, year out. This, the way you can find – if like, this, this metric is you can find some win – like, if you're doing your season win totals, Nick, using this you can find some value. Like, for example, uh, Pittsburgh had a solid year, has had, had a good run here, um, but they're not like a recruiting dynamite. They're recruiting full classes in the 40s and the 50s. They're 119th in returning production. You're probably going to want to fade them a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Uh, TCU, obviously, everybody's going to want to fade them after last year, but they're 118th in returning production. Right. And so, like, and, and the good thing about these that Bill does, he adds in the transfer um, yes. numbers. So all of Ray Davis's rushing yards are baked into Kentucky's equation here. So you get the bump from the transfer. Uh, and so for Kentucky, I think it's important to remember just defensively, like, they're leading tacklers. Jordan Wright's gone. DeAndre Square's gone. Carrington Valentine's gone. Kedron Smith's gone. Jacquez Jones's gone. Justin Rogers' gone. That's six of your top 11 tacklers. Seven of your top 13 if you throw in Tyrell Asian. So, like, there is production there for you to replace uh, on defense. And I think that's just really important to remember. They think Chris Rodriguez, like, that's a lot of, you know, he had 904 rushing yards. Kentucky had just over 1,500 net as a team. 
Yeah. I mean, that's that's 60% of your rushing yardage that's gone. Um, now, you're yeah. adding in Ray Davis. He helps negate that loss, but that's something to remember. Well, and then, obviously, we'll let, whenever you lose a quarterback, that's obviously a big chunk of your offense production. And replacing it with Leary's production, it was non-existent last year because of injury. Um, and I, I did appreciate, too, that he even admitted he changed the weights and – put heavier stock in offensive line play where now offensive line returning starts uh, accounts for 47% of the equation here. Um, you are adding. Kentucky's Marcus- got a lot of those, a lot of those coming back. There was returning yeah. starts. You're adding Marcus Cox, but he also, you know, was three games in the year was injured. Um, but I, I think just from like, if you go through the schedule and look at it, like, Freddie wrote about it this week, and we'll talk about it a ton. At, I mean, ad nauseum going into the season. Just the front end of the schedule being white is going to be helpful. Um, yep. It's a Bandy, pro and con type thing to me. Yeah. Bandy, I think, was going to be a tricky game until you lost last year. Because this 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 could be a, a breakthrough season for Clark Lee with that quarterback coming back. Um, yeah. Um, you look at Vandy, though, they, I mean, they lost a good amount. Like Losing Ray Davis is a big loss for them. Anthony Orgy. Uh, Anthony Orgy, their best player on defense, is out. But, yeah, it's year three for them, so they you should see some proof. But Kentucky gets them week four. It's the first Power 5 game on the schedule. You mentioned the loss last year. That You have to think that's one they're going to be zoned in on for sure. Yeah, the the one, too, that it we'd mentioned previously – but but I, I think it also like when using these, you were talking about using these for wins totals. Um, if you're thinking about toss up 50 50 games, like that Mississippi State game, I feel like this is the year they got to go and win it. You're going to be breaking in a new offense coordinator. I know it's later on in the year, but they, they lost so much from that defense, man. And that defense was so good last year. Yeah, they're, they're a wild card just because offensive, they're made offensively, they're making a transition in. Uh, I have to. I still have to dig into App State a little bit to see what Kevin Barbe, who came, who was at App State for one year. Before that, he was at Central Michigan, I believe. Jim McElwain, uh, to, yeah, yeah. To see what type of offense he's running. Typically at App State, it's been outside zone play action. That's kind of what they've gone with. So I'd assume it's something similar. But yeah, I mean, they're really gonna be running a more modern offense. Like they're gonna run the football now. Uh, and so what does that look like for Mississippi State? What does Will Rogers look like in a more modern offense? Um, when he's not there, he's going to have to drive the ball down the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not just dink and dunk express um, up and down the, up and down the sidelines. And so, like, yeah, I, how big of a fall does he make as a quarterback that has to play maybe a different system? And then defensively, there's still – Arnett's still there, but he's not – calling the defense anymore he's got to be the head coach so is there a drop off at all there they're a wild card they're a total wild card here what did what does mississippi state look like that's one of my biggest questions heading into the sec this season is just what because i knew exactly what i was getting with leach and arnett together i knew exactly like kentucky played like i could write the scouting report in my sleep like will rogers or whoever i could just have dot 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 and then just plug in the names year after year like, but now I it's gonna look I think it's gonna look a lot different. It's hard to handicap them. I think getting them probably later in the year is probably a good thing. You're gonna have seven, eight games of 
tape mm-hmm. and data on them to kind of figure out who they are and what they're doing. Uh, but yeah, that's like that's one of those streaks, Nick. They just have to end that streak. They got to go down there and yeah. win. And this would be a good year to ha- to get that because the schedule's so tough down the stretch. And so if you can get that win in your back pocket, that'd be a big deal. It could be – it's one of those fifty well, those flip games for the season that can flip yeah. it one way or the other. And I'll, I'll say, too, uh, anytime you make big offensive scheme transitions, uh, obviously Georgia Tech still digging their way out of that option one. That's a lot more drastic. But feeling like there's always uh, a pretty yeah. significant – speed bump when going from air into air raid and out of air raid yeah how's their line like is their line if if they're going to an outside zone i'm assuming barbe runs that i'm not sure i'd have to dig into it but they're very much they were inside zone driven toss sweep you know pin and pull i mean they ran like two concepts for running place uh so you're they're gonna is their offensive line built to have success in this new scheme on top of is the quarterback going to be good in this new scheme like there's just a lot of questions surrounding them yeah a ton, a ton of questions, a ton of answers. We asked Chris Rodriguez a ton of questions. We got a lot of answers last night. If you haven't checked that out, go to the KSR YouTube page. It's under streams. You'll find it there. It's on the website. Um, and we'll have it on the podcast. We'll just, uh, uh, you know, Stephen, he's an extraordinary. He can figure out how to attach the two audio clips together. Um, but Chris was down in Mobile for the Senior Bowl. Um, his team got wrecked. Um, for lack of a better term. Uh, but he did have the longest play of the day for them, averaged like four or five yards of carry and had a 25-yard reception. So, um, like you had something before it went live, though, and kind of where we see these prospects landing. Um, and I think we also got a better idea of it, too, just, just based on combine invites, um, which combine invites went out this week. Only four. I was a little surprised Keegan Smith's name did not make it, but Will Levis, Chris Rodriguez, Tayshawn Manning, and uh, Carrington Valentine were the only four uh, Wildcats to have their name called. Um, Felt like Smith was a fringe guy, but I I thought he might have played his way into contention, but maybe they saw all they wanted to out of the two bowl games he went to. Yeah, I think it's important to remember – like getting a combine invite is a big deal, but not everybody that gets invited to the combine gets drafted. And I believe there were 30 players last year who didn't receive a combine invite um, end up hearing their name called in the NFL draft. Uh, so that's important to remember. For now, I think for Kentucky, Nick, as we look here on February 9th, the draft is over two months away. Kentucky has three locks, I think, to be picks. Will Levis is going in the first round. question is how high. He's going in the top ten. question is how high. I think Chris Rodriguez and Carrington Valentine are coming off the board at some point. I think, Chris, you're probably looking something similar to Benny Snell where he goes off in the fourth round, uh, beginning of day three. I think with Carrington, it's there's a lot of variance, I think, with him. I think I could see him potentially going third. I could see him going sixth. Um, I think testing's probably going to be huge for him. And then, you know, they can't – can't it, it's probably going to be a thing just one team fall in love with him more than maybe his consensus board ranking, whatever it ends up being at the end of the cycle. Uh, so that's going to be something to watch. And then after that, you Keedron Smith and Tayshawn Manning, like well, the information we got right now tell us they're the next in line. Keedron mm-hmm. Smith goes to the NFL PA Bowl, gets invited to the Senior Bowl, um, appeared to have a good week at both events. In the NFL right now, there's a big shift to, I mean, on defense, it's a lot of big play prevention, and it's a lot of zone coverage. It's a lot of cover three. 
Uh, Kedron Smith played in it. With the defense in the NFL that they're playing, Kentucky had is playing that defense. Right. And and he was good at cornerback. He was very good for Kentucky. Uh, was just solid across the board. So I think that's intriguing. And then you, you look at that size he brings at corner as kind of a big guy with good length that could play in his own. I think people are going to be attracted to that. So I think he's going to get drafted. Uh, the question is, where is it? I could see sixth, seventh round. Manny's a big one. Uh because, I mean, everybody, we all dogged on the offensive line this year, but he, I believe he was in the PA Bowl as well. He received a combine invite, so there's obviously some level of interest there with him. And so seeing if he can maybe get sneak into that late third day, late day three, round six, round seven, something to watch. And after that, all those guys, I mean, we'll see. Uh, we've seen in the past huge pro days, Nick, uh, when Kentucky, had, when they work out of Kentucky and all the scouts come in April, that – Georgia Safo Ajay, Brandon mm-hmm. Eccles locked up picks with big pro day performances. And let's we'll see if one maybe one of these prospects Kentucky has, Jordan Wright possibly could see, end Jordan up. Jordan Wright's that. the one that I'm wondering if it's a position fit thing for him. If it's the I just pass I think just pa- pass rush value. I just I just don't know if he can rush the passer at the next level. Like when you and then and then if he can't, that his position is kind of is just not there. Like if he's going to be a Sam linebacker, off-ball Sam linebacker, those guys yeah. don't play. Like you know, what I'm right, saying they get right. teams are getting in sub packages, and there's not a lot of value in that. I just don't know what position he can play at the next level. I think that's the big thing with Jordan Wright. But he he certainly has shown uh, a nose for the ball, um, and it, it just I think a lot of it is going to come down to how well he does test at that pro day where it's going to be the nuttiest pro day we've ever been to that we've ever covered uh, March 26th. That's later on yeah. the combine. Yeah. Cause I would assume Levis doesn't throw at the combine, but he'll throw at the pro day. Yeah. That's, that's and, a safe assumption. And that's going to make it a zoo. I wouldn't be surprised if NFL network ESPN, mm-hmm. like if they do a live sports center hit of him throwing in the middle yeah. of the day, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. The, um, the the other thing too with that, when you have a guy like Will Levis, it helps bring more people in. Um, and now I, they don't always do this, but like I guess because Levis threw for one day last year is when they got to notice him. Like I wonder if Leary's going to get to throw or anything like this too. Um, not really sure how they have some weird rules about pro days and whatnot, but that's going to be in late March. The combine's going to be in early March. We'll be up there the second through the fourth. Um, that's that's right around when the drills and stuff start up. So it's going to be a zoo. It's going to be a lot of fun, um, almost as fun as watching the big game this week. The big game. I don't know if we're allowed to say Super Bowl or not, but you asked for it. They listen. My bookie. They design a unique deposit bonus that lets you cash in and cash out quick. This is a unique deposit bonus for sports bettors who want to focus on what to bet and not a payout sweat. Make your first deposit today with the promo code PERSONNEL. You know, promo code KSR will also work. But use that promo code PERSONNEL. Wager your deposit and amount once. You're eligible to cash out. If you want a sports book that gives you the most of the money, bet on the big game with my bookie. Pre-game, live lines, Super Bowl props. I know we can't always do live lines everywhere like it. But you can with my bookie at mybookie.ag. Bet everything from the opening coin toss, length of the anthem, color of the Gatorade dumped on the winning coach. 
Um, it says on the read here that I can't tell you who's exactly going to win a Super Bowl, but I can't. I'm, I'm going to tell you that it's going to happen. Uh, the best place to place bets, though, is my bookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. And look at, I love the amount of bets that you can place too. They just got hundreds of different options. It's mm-hmm. it's great in this game. And I found a couple that I like. And one of them is really lame, but it's just, it's it's who I'm, it's a teaser if I'm going to ride with. The Chiefs win the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes is going to be the MVP and you're giving me plus uh, odds. I'm, I'm glad you said that because that's on mine too. You can parlay Chiefs money line, Mahomes MVP and get three and a half to one odds. Yeah, like that's because if one happens, the other is going to. It's inevitable, right? Because you're essentially getting a game that's close to a fifty-fifty toss-up. You're get, essentially getting plus, uh, you know, three and change uh, to bet for a dollar bet. So, like, like yeah, that's that's a lot of value there. That's yeah. probably the that's probably the play. I think will be a popular one. I think a lot it, of people will jump on that. Yeah, and I also did the thing too where. Um, Actually, I did a different parlay on that one. You know, you get to just place in your wagers and you just put in a bunch. Because I, I have one where it's Chiefs points, Kelsey, and money line. As a, but that, that's only about three to one. But I bet if you sprinkled in MVP with Chiefs money line, Travis Kelsey. Because, like, for the things that happen, like if, you, if, you're, if the Chiefs are going to win, Mahomes has to play well, and Kelsey's going to get a ton of receiving yards. Like, that's just how they win. Um so I like that. I, I, I like going in that direction. Like, what what bets do you have out there that you like to sprinkle in at my book? I like this one, right? Super Bowl. It always you always we always see some trick plays. The Philly special last year. The Bengals had that halfback touchdown pass. You're always going to see some gadget plays. The Eagles' offense, how they are RPO heavy and stuff like that. I think we're going to see some weird stuff. I think we could see a pass to Jalen Hurts. A QB reception, it's 12 to 1. Ooh. So they would try to run back the Philly special. Or just whatever. I mean, you could just do a double pass or, I mean, whatever. Man, those are great. See, that was a good line of thinking because I had the same thought, but I came across a will there be a flea flicker or not, and it was only something like 2 to 1. But the the Jalen Hurts is – because – and also with mine, I can get the Chiefs. The Chiefs, they do a bunch of – Tom Brady caught a pass one year in this game. I think they threw like two or three to him in the Super Bowl. So like, there is going to be something there. Uh, yeah. Especially if Mahomes is more is better, because then they the Eagles probably wouldn't even expect it because of the ankle. So they can the Chiefs can maybe hit them on something. So yeah, I, I think that's a good that's good value there. QB reception plus twelve hundred. Uh, one other one that I I like because you get a lot of value is a first sack. Um. The odds are a little crazy just for individuals on any time sack. And it's a little bit more difficult um, with the Eagles because they have so many good pass rushers. And But the other thing, too, I don't want to bet on Frank Clark or um, Jones um, from the Chiefs just because the Eagles offensive line is good and Hurts yeah. is good to get the ball away. So I just went pretty basic here. He's got the lowest odds. Um, but Hassan Reddick, with uh, his first sack, is plus two ninety. Like if if, if I'm going to bet on anybody, the way he wrecked uh, your your boy Joey Burrow, like if I'm going to get anybody, give me 
Hassan Reddick plus two ninety. Like that's that's pretty good juice. Pretty good juice. Yeah, and, yeah. I like the I, I like the sack bets. Too. Those are fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. I also think the way this game's going to play out, like the Eagles, you want to keep Mahomes on the sideline, so you're going to run the football. Miles Sanders is their top running back. The 13 and a half carries is the total. I would play the un- over. Excuse me, not the under, the over there. Just because I think they're going, he's going to get a heavy workload um, here running the football. So that's another one I like. Who who do you like in the game in general? Because as much as I as much as I like to dive in, eh, it still feels like. Um, like if you if you did like the position matchups right, like one side versus the other, there's a lot of net neutrals. I think except for the two biggest ones, and it's quarterback and head coach. Yeah. To me, an intriguing thing is this: is I think the Chiefs have really been tested here in the playoffs. Like I think that Jags team was pretty good. It was playing with a really hot hand coming in and they had to deal with the Mahomes injury and they still found a way to they won that game I think you can make the argument the Bengals were the best team in football the last 10 weeks of the season and they they beat the Bengals in a 50-50 game where the Eagles they played the Giants and the Giants were just a terrible like it was a terrible matchup for the Giants and they were really limping into the playoffs too it was just a, a, a terrible, terrible matchup for the Giants. Their defense, it's not very good. Their offense is good, but they have weaknesses on the offensive, the offensive tackle, and they have no receivers, right? Like, they have yeah, no one to yeah. threaten them. Uh, where the Eagles, and then the Niners game, right? Everything bad, everything like, that. everything broke for Philly in that game. I mean, everything. Yeah. They were, were essentially, they were essentially playing a minor league football team there in, the second half. Uh, and so I look at that and the Chiefs, the Chiefs, I think they have motivation because last time they were here, they they lost and their offensive line was terrible. And now they're facing this big, this big bad pass rush. But now the Chiefs offensive line is pretty damn good. And I just, I just think they're going to find a way to get it done. I think this has been a big year for just kind of Andy Reid and Mahomes to prove they could do it without Tyreek Hill. And I, I think I think they get it done. I think their defense has played pretty well. He's like in these two playoff games, and I think they'll be able to cause some issues for Hurts. So I, I like the Chiefs here. I'm bet I'm going to take Mahomes, and he'll get the sec- second Super Bowl. And that that parlay we talked about is going to hit you know three and a half to one. Yeah, that's um, I'm 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 on the Chiefs as well. I just as good as the Eagles have been. You're exactly right. Like they've they've wall off a bunch of bad teams on the way. Remember what the Eagles like remember what the Eagles were though at the end of that regular season. I mean Hertz was out and whatnot, but they just look like yeah. blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lost to the Saints. Cowboys ran up forty points on their defense. Like it wasn't that long ago we were people were talking about this defense has got some real issues. Yeah. The defense just hasn't been challenged because the Giants yeah. had no receivers. Nope. And they had a hard time blocking them, and the Niners were – They didn't have a quarterback. Know, they didn't have a quarterback. So, wait, they haven't been challenged. Now they're playing the best quarterback in football. I just think we're going to yeah. see some of those defensive issues we talked about at the end of the regular season that have kind of just been able to hide in the playoffs just because they haven't played a foe that could really challenge them. And I think the Chiefs can for sure challenge them. And so, I, I like Kansas City here. The – 
just the overall, like I, I knew going into the championship round, it's like I'm betting the AFC team, whoever it is, because I just quarterbacks put you over the top. In yeah. Games like that. And I think there's been a little bit of overreaction with the Eagles because of these blowouts they've had in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and another I, thing too, and Nick Sirianni, like he's been good, but is he, is he going to out coach Andy Reid? No, no. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, like the Eagles are really good. They've had an awesome year. They've been they were the best team the first 12, 13, 14 weeks. They, you can make the argument they're the best team in football. Uh, but the Chiefs are pretty damn good and they've they've got Mahomes. And so mm-hmm. and I like I just like how this game sets up for Kansas City. Uh, I think they've been battle tested a little bit here. The Eagles really have they've caught some breaks, I think. And I think that's gonna play out in well for the Chiefs um, out there in Glendale. All right, Luckett. It's Super Bowl Sunday. You're going to your Super Bowl party, which this is your first year, too, where you got to deal with leaving at halftime for baby, which that that's that stinks. Uh, that's that's always one bummer with it because even though the Super Bowl doesn't go as late, it's still past bedtime for kids. Um, but you're going to get there early. You're going to look at the spread. What's the what's the first thing you're going for? What what in the Super Bowl party snack is your is your go to? Wings is one. Like that's the first. What what are the wings here? Yeah. So are there are there different types of wings? Which ones do I want to try? I want to try them all, but get just kind of balance out to see what the wings are. And then you got to get chip, chips and queso. So you got to get some queso right there with the wings. Those are the top two for Ooh. me. See, queso I'm, I'm and at- chips dip and wings. I'm out on the queso because it's a little runny on a plate. You know, yeah. it's one thing if you're at like a Mexican restaurant and it's in a bowl, it's a little bit easier to scoop. It's too runny for me, but I am all about the dips because you usually get some something weird where you're like, oh, what's this over here? And then you take a little scoop like, ooh, this is pretty good. I, I'm all about some obscure dip that somebody I don't know brought that it's like their homemade thing that they've been doing for years. And I say, oh my gosh, this is so good. And they say, Oh, it's so easy to make. You should try it. And then I have 13 beers and I forget what they told me, but it's still the best damn dip I've ever had in my life. Yeah, it's uh, the the uh, I'm trying to think of the word for it. When everybody brings a dish, what is that called? Potluck? A potluck, yes. <laughs> Potlucks are fun just because you could just, oh, what's this? What's that? What's this? What's that? Yeah. You know, do you usually have that type of thing at like a derby party every year? You get it really twice: derby party, Super Bowl party. Well, we don't we don't do yeah. derby parties. We we go to we are the party at the yeah. derby. Yeah, um, but yeah, that and then same thing applies for thanks for Thanksgiving because whenever I show up to Thanksgiving, there's always like everybody brings a different dessert or something. So there's like a bunch of different desserts to try. Yeah, um, we're like the main courses are taken care of, but then you get all of the like apps and desserts are brought over. Um, but Super Bowl is great because it's all of the just like garbage appetizers that uh-huh. that's like I could live my life. Like if, if I wanted to just be the most. It's it's like if if you and your wife were to start a sports bar, what would be on your appetizer list? And it's usually what you bring. Yeah. Yeah. Um, except I can't bring I can't make fried pickles. Like, I, I mean, I've tried it. I've done it. it they kind of sucked. That's like my favorite. But that's not really uh you know, but like a good buffalo chicken dip, like that stuff, it kills. And my favorite part of it, yeah. a good salty snack with your cold beer, like, ah, mwah. Yeah, it's fun. It's a good time. And then we got to kiss football goodbye. But hopefully I know, we can that's kiss what goodbye I, with 
making a bunch of money at my bookie. I was thinking about that this week. It's February twelfth, Super Bowl, and then we've got really I don't don't I don't count the NFL preseason. We've got little over six months until like week zero. Yeah. And I don't think we have any decent week zero game. We do not. That's well we'll talk about that later, but they need to do something. They need yeah. to put a game on that because there's a there's another Ireland game, but it's like Notre Dame plays Navy, I think it is. Yeah. Which we need to, we I'm need gonna watch better. it and it's gonna get great ratings and yeah. like, why aren't there more games on? Yeah, there, there was talk about moving Colorado, Arizona State. Which would have been perfect. That's a perfect yeah. week zero game. Coach Prime it up. Yeah. Just coach Prime all up in your face. It's a perfect week zero game. Yeah, because I'm not watching Pac-12 once the season starts. It doesn't matter then. But it'll be a long road, but we'll be here for it all. Thank you all so much for joining us. We'll be live next week with 11 personnel at lunch right here on the KSR YouTube channel. For Adam Luckett, I'm Nick Roush. Go Cats and go Crow Green.